following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. to another episode of the hottest sports betting, well, not really sports betting, football picking podcast in the country. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. First, up in Philadelphia, his football team stinks. Chris Smalls, Angelos, how are you this fine Thursday morning? Had to get that jab in. I got some good picks. Uh, and, you know, you're calling my football team stinks. They do right now, but I do... I do see some light in this darkness, and I'll tell you why a little later on this podcast. Just get ready. Strap in for it. There you go. And then up in uh, Maryland, his football team, their record is good. I don't know if they're good or not, but they're 6-3. and three. But Andrew, Bart, how are you this morning? They just win games. Alex Smith is a winner. Unlike... I'm like small. We call that the Smitty effect. We call that the Smitty effect where you're not sure how he wins games, but all of a sudden his teams are in the playoff hunt. But Bart, enough is enough. Speaking of just winning games, the Create Your Shot podcast crew is just, they, the band keeps rolling on. Right, and why don't you recap last week for us? Last week, eight, four, and three. Though the three pushes are kind of garbage because by the time this podcast gets published, all of the pushes lines went down, so that's really three winners for everyone. We should just call it eleven and four, but for the sake of it, we we did push the games on the week. We're gonna talk about betting and winning units now because we know not everyone's betting one hundred ten. Some people are betting more, some are less. So we're just gonna say last week you won three point six units. On the year you're up five point seven. If you're just following Tyler on the year, you're up 9.9. As a show, we've given you six straight winning weeks in a row. During that run, 26.2 units. So if you're betting that 100, that's over $2,600 on in those last six weeks. That's a lot of money. I like how Bart doesn't give uh, regular totals anymore. So... I think I was 4-0-1 last weekend. Thanks a lot, Nick Saban. We'll get to that in a second. And Smalls, 3-2. and two. And Bart, do you have the sheet open in front of you? How many weeks in a row has Smalls just grinded out a 3-2 and two week? Has it been six weeks? He's got five 3-2s and, and one 3-1-1, where I think Navy pushed against Temple, because I can't imagine why else Smalls picked a Navy football game. I, lo- I love that. Yep, just model of consistency over here. One game above 500, that's all I'm looking to do. The best part is Smalls usually digs himself a hole with college football, and it looks like he's going to have a terrible weekend, and then just 
like sweeps the NFL card to get it back. Though one week he did the opposite and went two and zero in the NFL and, or two and zero in college, and then did the opposite in the NFL. But so the one thing I will say about betting, and this is something that Bart is very good at, and we talked about this last year. If, you, if you've been a listener for a long time, we talked about this on the uh, March Madness episode. But you do always want to try to get the best lines. So typically, and I, I try to do it, and I think you guys do it as well, but if you see a line that looks really good on the show and we give it out on, on Thursday morning, we try to say, like, all right, get it right away because it, it, something crazy is going to happen. But, yeah, you should probably be waiting till Saturday morning in general to just bet. But obviously on the show, we can't. We're not broadcasting live. We do not have a serious contract just yet. So we have to give out Alabama minus 24. That actually went all the way down to, I believe, 22.5, Bart. And then it closed at 23.5. So that was a winner if you bet that game on Saturday, mor- on Saturday morning. And then what did Clemson close at? Because I actually didn't see that. I saw that at 18 or 18 or 18.5. Yeah. And that was – I mean, Clemson I, – I, I did I, – I texted the stat to you, I think, the other day, but – Clemson's are Alabama's outscoring SEC opponents by 32.9 points a game, but there are two opponents in the country that have outscored their opponents by a point differential of 330 or more. Bama has a 359 uh, point differential and Clemson 330. And then the next highest point differential in the country is like 188 or something from teams ranked in the college football playoff rankings. So right now, obviously we, we have talked about how Bama is really, really good, but Clemson is playing as well as Bama at this current moment, and whether or not their their quality of competition is you know as good or not, I don't know. But Clemson, they need to be taken seriously. Like they they should have probably beaten Boston College by a little bit more than they did. They got pretty unlucky. I mean, BC ran a kickback right away to start the game on kind of like a weird play. BC's quarterback got hurt, so you know maybe it's different. But Clemson looks really good. Let's talk about Bama for a second, Bart, before we get into uh, a new segment called D-Gen Storytime. But what are your thoughts just this weekend? We, we both watched the Bama game. You had Bama first half, as I did as well. That hit for the 10th uh, straight week in a row. But Tua Tag not looking super healthy, and Mississippi State's defensive line looked awesome from about midway through the second quarter on. Are you worried about Bama if Tua is not healthy? He's supposedly playing against the Citadel this weekend, which seems stupid. But what are your thoughts on on Tua's knee? Were you asking Smalls or me? You, because Smalls probably didn't watch because it was a Saturday and he probably had a lot of more exciting things going on. I mean, I would imagine he's okay if they just trot him out there every week, but it's kind of concerning that they end up taking him out of the game earlier than they really want to every single week. This week, it seems like the perfect game to play Jalen Hurts or really just not get him hit. I don't understand why, and Saban is a stubborn guy, but as we'll talk about it in a second, but I don't understand why you don't sit him this week. They're 51-point favorites against the Citadel. Then they have a bye week before the Iron Bowl. So, like, this is the perfect time to seemingly give him two weeks off. You can beat, I mean, Bart, they could put Smalls back there at quarterback and beat the Citadel just handing the ball off 100% of the time. So that seems stupid. But Saban, is, is, he's on the list for good. Uh, guys, if you were watching, why don't you walk us through it, Bart? We are, we're fourth and two, 15 seconds to go in the game. Saban's up 24 nothing. We just need to kick a field goal. Instead of putting back in Josh Jacobs, who was gashing Mississippi State in the fourth quarter on the last drive, we just hand it off to Damian Harris and don't get it on fourth and two? Like what the what the hell? 
Like, why is Saban – his field goal kicker stinks anyway. The guy had just made, like, a 49-yarder. But, like, why is he not letting that guy get confidence? And why is he screwing us over on the show? And, actually, I had it at 24 because I bet it early because I was worried it was going to go up. Yeah, I also I also had it at 24. Like, what the, what the hell is this guy doing? I mean, I guess we see – why uh, Lane Kiffin's one of his protégés. He also does not care about covering the spread for you. Really, really disappointing. Did we have any other bad beats? Smalls got hooked, I think, on Monday night. If you want to talk about that one, uh, that was a that was a close game. So while he covered, it's not like it was garbage time or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I, I was a little concerned about that game, and it hurt me to root for the Giants there. But Smalls also had I'm, maybe the worst pick of the season with the Bengals plus. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. But you know what? I was okay with that pick because I really did think that was one of those letdown NFL games. You come back from a big emotional win at home, and you go on the road to go to Cincinnati. And it was cold. Less it was... It was cold weather. But you know what? I forgot about – no, not that I forgot. I I should take it way more seriously that Andy Dalton is the quarterback for the Bengals. Marvin Lewis is the coach. They don't have a goddamn GM. They never have. They're the Cincinnati Bengals. Shame on you, Chris. Shame on you. Smalls, are you excited about the fact that – okay, so first of all, after that game, after they gave up 50-plus points to the Saints – they fired Terrell Austin, their defensive coordinator. So now Marvin Lewis is the defensive coordinator. So stock up for the Bengals there. But then also this week, they have now hired Hugh Jackson as special a special assistant. consultant. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we got to be excited about the Bengals. The Bengals are 5-4. and four. They're in the sixth spot. We've got to be excited about the Bengals moving forward. They got Hugh Jackson back. Andy Dalton's the only quarterback in America that's better with Hugh Jackson. I mean, the Bengals are exciting. Yeah, I mean, like, that's dynamic, right? You got Hugh Jackson back in the fold. You know, he can probably win you some games. No, he can't. He won two or three. He has no idea what he's doing. But maybe he'll he'll make Andy Dalton a great quarterback after eight to ten years of Andy Dalton. I'm sure they're going to be they're going to be great. This is a great move. Like, I don't understand the Bengals. I really don't. Let's instead of let's hire Hugh Jackson or let's fire the defensive coordinator. After this season, let's take a look at the construction of our franchise. Let's look around the league. How does everyone else go about their business? Oh, they have a GM. Oh, they do things pretty conventionally. They've won games. They've won championships. They've gotten to the playoffs. Do things a different way from the top down. I think that's really what it starts with with Cincinnati. I think it could turn around the franchise a little bit. I just I, I I'll never have faith in Cincinnati. Never have faith in the Bengals ever again. You you want them to at least kind of like nick the Saints up a little bit before the Eagles go likely down to New Orleans and play one of the two most important games they have left out of conference. But just offer no resistance. At one point, Bart texted, "How does Cincinnati or how does New Orleans always have the ball?" As the score <laughs> just kept like they would score, and then down on the bottom line, it would be like New Orleans has the ball back again. I don't know how, but. And then, Bart, I actually got hooked pretty good in the Texas Tech-Texas game because we were texting during that game, and I think I got 24 points. I actually ended up with 31 points in the last four minutes of that game, but it was I really I needed like 18 or something and got 22 in the last four minutes of that game for it to go over. And Texas Tech on their third-string quarterback executes a perfect onside kick, 
And then Texas goes and scores with a minute left, or in the last minute anyway, to win the game 41-34. Yeah, that was just an awesome game. The end of the game was amazing. Like, Cliff Kingsbury may not be an amazing coach. I, I have no idea. He he can certainly coach offense, but that guy just poops out quarterbacks. Like, you just put whoever behind there and the guy's throwing for 450 yards. The dude Duffy looked like he couldn't complete passes in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden I look at the end of the game, he has like 465 and like four touchdowns, and he was awesome down the stretch. Great catches. Big 12 football this year, guys. You got to get hip. Uh, we'll go into the new segment. We're going to do D-Gen story time before we talk about potentially Nathan Peterman getting released, but probably go straight into fades. But Bart, you have a uh, story that you called and I almost swerved off the road. I thought it was so funny. I, I don't want to build it up too much because I know that you don't want to embarrass some of the people in it. But why don't you tell us about your trip to the bank last week? Someone line at the bank depositing some money from all the winners Tyler's been giving out for us. Guy walks in behind us. He's getting his deposit ready right behind me. Not a big deal. We're kind of annoying. We're both sitting in line. One person's taking forever, and the other person in line at the bank or with one of the tellers is on the phone trying to get something taken care of. Whatever, so we're in line. A third person walks in. This person, of course, is wearing an Alabama hat, in line at the bank in Maryland. Guy behind me, of course, turns to him and says, Bama fan, huh? He goes, yep. He goes, well, I bet LSU last weekend. These, these are just, this is just what random people are betting, I guess. Who in their right mind was taking LSU? So this guy, of course, goes, I would have won... 210 bucks or something like that. I forget what the number was exactly. Just, I had 20 bucks on the LSU money line. <laughs> this guy didn't, this this guy didn't even want the, what was it, 14 and a half? I forget. So then, of course, both of us get called up, and this guy's depositing like 47 bucks or something and firing <laughs> LSU money lines against Alabama. <laughs> When you told me this story, Smalls, I literally in my mind was like, this is why Vegas will never lose money. Because people that need to go to the bank to make minimal deposits, who are depositing like $43 because they need to pay bills, are firing LSU money line bets. Yeah, you can't, and I was can't just, do it. I was, yeah, like Vegas will just never lose because we have no idea how much money this guy has. But my assumption is very, very little based on, I don't know that I've ever been to the bank to deposit like... Maybe when I was a kid and like my grandmother sent me like a $38 check or something for Christmas, you had to deposit it because your parents were like, you're not allowed to have any money. But I mean, when he told me that story and this guy was like, oh yeah, I took the LSU money line. Like I thought they, they, Bama was ripe for the picking. It's just like, he's, these guys are morons. He's not listening to the show. And then Bart doesn't even plug the show. I mean, we could be making this guy money <laughs> because he clearly needs it. He was probably depositing. I don't think I don't think this guy wants money. He was probably depositing like dimes and nickels too to make sure he had. He's pu- pulling shit out of his car because he had to pay. There, there was some change involved. <laughs> he's betting the LSU money line because he wants the best odds. It's a, it, it, I mean, to to be fair, if he's going to bet against Alabama, I don't mind the Citadel plus fifty one this weekend. Yeah, I, I would not money line them though if he is as a new list. No, he probably will. It's probably like. For for a little while, I included this as DJ story time because I I didn't want us to just berate a, a random person that we don't know or Bart didn't want that. I I was actually okay berating him, 
But this is like when I was in I was in high school and I originally figured out that like you could bet online, uh, not on betonline.ag then, but you could bet online. And for a while, I was firing like ten dollars. Yeah, you likely have to be over the age of fifteen to to join okay. betonline.ag. I was I was firing like every single year. I was trying to find a way to bet a sixteen seed over a one and just and just money line them in the NCAA tournament. Because I was like, oh man, this pays out like twenty five hundred to one. Like eventually, it's going to happen. And you know what, guys? Guess who didn't have any money on UMBC against Virginia this you. year? I mean, B- Bart had money on like the under, but yeah, the, I had for for about like four or five straight years, I just punted like five or ten dollars on each of those sixteen versus one games every single year because I was like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to pay through the nose. And then the freaking year that it actually happens, no, no money on it. So I'm just as stupid as this guy. Uh, I just happen to be on a hot streak where Bart is finally even taking my action and not losing games. If you guys remember the beginning of the year, he was talking about how every winner he took of mine, they all lost. Well, they're not losing right now. I'm not going to, I'm not betting any of your plays this weekend just because when you know I'm betting them, they've got no chance. So I'm actually not taking any of them this week. That's a fair point. Uh, other, any other DGen stories? I have one more, but we can save it for next week. If we I've want got, to I've Smalls, got you got anything for us? Are you, I, I've you, got, you I've behaving? got no stories. Wow. Zero. I mean, he didn't bet on, he didn't bet on Buffalo. Unfortunately, they, they were plus two. We thought mm. it was, we thought they'd all, they'd cover for the rest of the year and they get blasted Tough. by Ohio last night. Tough, Just, but they went over. It, it did go over. And I, I gave that pick out to the two of you before the game started, even though I knew none of you were going to watch the game. Smalls was too busy watching. Like, did you watch the end of the Sixers game real quick? Touching on Jimmy Butler. I did. They blew, you know, obviously blew a big lead there. And then uh, at the end of the game, Terrence Ross, just a complete miscommunication. Joel and beat out on him. Little high ball screen switch. Mascal's got a jump switch there. Get out on the shooter. Doesn't do it. Terrence Ross knocks down a three-pointer. The guy was hot. The guy was on fire. He wasn't, he wasn't was in the fourth quarter. It was one of those one out of seven Terrence Ross games that you got. But – you know what? I think uh, they're feeling each other out. Uh, they're going to be fine. I think Jimmy Butler's going to add a lot to their roster, um, and uh, you know they're going to be they're going to be good. We'll see how good they can be, but I think we just got to let it breathe. Twenty one to zero run in the fourth quarter to lose that game. Is that right? Yeah, it's, that's that's no good. That's that's where you need some defense. Uh, you also, I I'm surprised by that because. There's a lot of ways for the Sixers to be able to get easy buckets um, with their, you know, the mismatches they can create with Simmons and obviously going to Embiid and now Jimmy Butler, JJ Redick shooting the ball. You know, the guy, the guy can really shoot. So I figured you could get one bucket against the Magic and not let them go on a 21 nothing run. But Steve Clifford's got that team playing really well. So. They're not bad. Yeah, they're seven, they're seven eight. The Wizards on a three game winning streak part. I finally watched, uh, for the first time all year, I watched most of a game last night because I thought they would beat the Cavs and it would make me feel good rather than just being angry. But real quick, just a trend before we get to fades. If you are looking to bet some NBA games, uh, college basketball is really difficult. I think at this time of year, you can probably just bet overs and be fine. But in the NBA, if you're looking to bet some NBA games, I would say it's on the road for the next couple of weeks, Sixers unders are probably pretty good. Th- those guys play a little bit worse on the road. They, they come out a little bit slower. And then they're going to try to stop teams defensively with Butler, Simmons, and Embiid. So I would say before Vegas adjusts, because they don't really know how those three are going to play together, I would say Sixers unders on the road are going to be pretty good. Uh, at home, they just tend to they're, – they're really, really good at home. But 
Uh, let's go into fades. Smalls, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off? What do you got? Yeah, I got a um, you know a fade that's been coming for a long time. Uh, I've had this argument probably with a lot of different people over the years, and I may have even laid this out on the podcast before. So, excuse me if this is a repeat, but I'm kind of sick and tired of. Uh, I'm not sick and tired. Listen, you can like college basketball a lot. You can like it better than the NBA. What I really have a problem with is when people start saying college basketball is just a lot better. It's a lot more. They play basketball the right way over the NBA. I I can't take the argument. You can enjoy the game a lot more. You can enjoy watching some mediocre players get together and play basketball and they run their little sets and there's a 30 second shot clock and there's some decent coaches. You can enjoy that. But the NBA to say that level that they don't know how to play basketball, that it's all one-on-one, that they don't run any sets, that there's no thought process. The guys are just out there being athletes is the dumbest argument you can come at me with. And I'm sick of people texting me, calling me, getting in tailgate arguments with me about how college basketball is so much better than the NBA because it just doesn't compute. You have the best players in the world in the NBA. If you watch the game, they run a ton of different actions, a ton of quick sets. It's a 24-second shot clock. Now with the 14-second offensive rebound, there's a lot more thought that goes into it. Uh, There's after-timeout plays that are just remarkable. There's stuff you have to do against better defenses. So these are the most talented players in the world. They're the most exciting. They're playing 82 games a year, and there's a lot that goes into it. So don't give me that stupid argument. But enjoy. You can enjoy college basketball. I personally love the NBA, love watching the NBA. I think it's way more entertaining, and I think it's way more, way better basketball. So that's my rant today. It's a, it's a pretty good So rant. feed those people. College basketball definitely uh, substantially worse, especially as you watch mid-major teams. We don't we don't really need to watch uh, guys just miss a lot of jump shots. But I'm sure, I'm very sure that the most watched game last night. Obviously, ESPN had two primetime uh, NBA games, but I guarantee you that Duke against Eastern Michigan was the most watched basketball. Honestly, game. Honestly, I'm I I like college basketball, but I I didn't even honestly I didn't even know that game was on. Tell you the truth, that's. That's a lot. You know Duke's playing because anytime Zion Williamson does anything, your Twitter timeline just I don't explodes. think I was on Twitter then last night because I didn't see anything. Did they they destroyed him, I'm guessing? I didn't I didn't look. I can't imagine. I don't know that it was close. Eastern Michigan's actually not bad. Uh friend of the program, Zach Spiker, actually uh told me that the other day because they played Drexel to open Ooh. the season. But all right. Good one. Good one from you, Smalls. Fade, fade college basketball idiots. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually sure. You're just fading people who think college basketball is better than the NBA or that it's pure, more pure of a game. Uh, I, got a, I got a short one, and we talked about this a little bit before, but I'm fading the Patriots and Titans, not because like the game was bad, the Titans blew them out, but both teams ran the uh, Philly special, which is any <laughs> trick play, is the Philly special. Which is cool. Like I don't, I don't mind running the Philly special. But why are we running the Philly special in the middle of the field with quarterbacks who, like, okay, for the Patriots, right? Why are you? Tom Brady's forty-one years old and he is hilariously slow. Why are you running the Philly special at like the forty-five yard line? Like, run it in the red zone where if he catches it, he's in the end zone and they score. You and gotta then get the to the red zone to run it in the red zone. 
I, why are you running plays to your quarterback? Like the Titans, for example, they're up 34. I'm sorry, they're up 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter or 27 to 10. I can't remember the score the exact time. They run the play with Marcus Mariota, who's been injured on the year, and he takes a massive hit. The Titans are five and four to right be now. Fair, they're, his injury was not being able to feel his hands. Yeah, because he had nerve damage in his elbow. So the one thing that I would do if I was Mike Vrabel is I would try to limit the amount of times he gets hit in the elbow. So running a tossback pass to my quarterback in the middle of the field in the fourth quarter in a game I'm up more than two scores is not something that I would do. So I just want to fade people that put their quarterbacks who are so important to their team's success in harm's way unnecessarily. I can somehow, I can definitely like, Doug Peterson might be an idiot. I'm not sure. Like Mike Lombardi may end up being actually pretty intelligent once it's all said and done because Dougie P's had a rough couple weeks. but like. He ran it with Nick Foles, where, like, when Foles catches it, he's in the end zone. Oklahoma, who invented the play, Smalls, they ran it when Baker was in the end zone. But, like, the Patriots and Titans are running it where their quarterback just has to run down the field on the 50-yard line against defensive players who are bigger, faster, and stronger than their quarterback. Doesn't that just seem really stupid? So I'm fading anyone running the Philly special to 41-year-old quarterback or quarterbacks with nerve damage in their elbow in the middle of the field. So that's going to be a long title of this week's podcast. But if I see a coach do that, it doesn't matter if you're Bill Belichick, it doesn't matter if you're Mike Vrabel, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> All right, Art, your, your turn. Sunday night football, first and goal on the eight, three-nothing game. Dak runs for five yards to the three. This moron challenges the play wins the challenge, and makes it second and goal on the four. Yeah, that was so dumb. That was that was, that was was dumb. Doug Peterson's done this in the past. Yes, he has. His challenges are bad. Like, he's he's good at some other stuff, like his analytics and stuff, the way he goes for it on fourth, the way he goes for two, whatever. He's good at that. He is really bad at challenges, Smalls. Okay, uh, he's terrible. I, I think it happened two years ago where it was like an obvious incomplete pass on first down against I think it might have been the Packers where Aaron Rodgers got like a two yard game and he they told him hey that's incomplete and he just instinctively threw the challenge flag and was like oh shit second and eight and second and ten not that big a deal this is our last challenge of the game in like the third quarter or something awful like come on get someone next to him to like help him out I don't, I don't get it yeah. Was it him? Was it him? Who I can't remember. Was it him or Bill O'Brien that threw the challenge flag and and said that they accidentally threw it? I think it was Doug Peterson, right? Where he like went to throw it, and then in the play, you could see him stop and try to hold on to it. This was his first year, and he couldn't. And they they challenged it when he was like, "Shit, I shouldn't have done that." Yeah. But he just threw it right away when the booth was telling him like, "No, no, no, don't throw it." It might have been. It might have been Bill O'Brien. I mean, Andy Reid has the one smalls you've been living with this for years where, like, he couldn't find the challenge flag. Like, it wasn't in the pocket it was supposed to be in. He had some other good stuff in the other pockets and didn't want to pull out, like, the, the Hershey bar. And, yeah. Or, yeah. Mr. He was like Mr. Chu's, like, Chinese takeout for after the game. He didn't want to pull that one out. Um, oh, crap. This isn't the play sheet. This is my takeout. Dude, well, I've always had a theory about Andy Reid. Like, he has that, like, extensive play sheet or that 15 game script. I think it's just the specials from whatever post game meal he's getting. And he's, like, literally ordering the specials, 
He's like, this is my script. All right, I'm going to go down all 15 of my first orders. Cheesesteak egg rolls, pizza egg rolls, the number eight special, General Sal Spicy. Like, that's what I always thought Andy Reid did. And it might be. Andy, be like, Andy Reid hey, seems like a big low main guy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of low main. Gets like the big noodle order. But I will say this, Tyler. Doug Peterson, to your point before about Mike Lombardi, Doug Peterson, like Frank Reich left, and I'll tell you what, Frank Reich's doing a really good job offensively with a Andrew Luck who, you know, definitely isn't throwing the ball like he used to, but he's throwing a lot of touchdowns and he's playing really well. Yeah, and he's that playing offense, better than he used to. He's, he's playing well. Like he's not taking as many chances. He's not taking as many chances. That offense is designed to help all of the players involved. And Frank Reich was a big part of the Eagles last year. So that's going to be a link that people are going to watch for, you know, three to five more years. And, you know, I it, it worries me a little bit that maybe Frank Reich was the uh, genius behind everything because the Eagles offense, while good, has been lacking in a lot of in a lot of different elements this year in terms of converting on third down and some creative play calling to get certain players the ball. But we didn't want to talk so much about Philly and Dallas, but I do want to say two things about that game. First, we've been very critical of Jason Garrett on this podcast. And I do still think I I did want to bring this up with you guys. And I'm I'm not, I, I want you both to chime in, but for Dallas, they went on the road season saves their season. I, I was pretty sure if they lost the game, Jason Garrett was going to get fired. Is it okay for Dallas fans to be mad that they lost the game if you wanted Jason Garrett to be fired? Or as a fan of your team, do you have to be happy every single time you win against a rival? You guys, you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, I got it. No, I think I, – see, I don't think Dallas fans are mad. Like, this is, like, a great thing. They can talk, you know, a bunch of stuff, and, like, we kind of have to put our – Tails they wanted to ruin the Eagles season, so they're definitely happy. Yeah, and then they're they're gonna they're gonna he's gonna get fired at the end of the year. He's definitely not getting fired right now. At the end of the year, he will though. Who can, like if if a coach gets fired middle of the year, I'm not like I don't know. As a fan, I don't really care. Like that doesn't because it's not like the rest of the season's gonna be. There's gonna be some kind of like amazing turnaround with this new coach. Um, so I'm always okay with the coach getting canned at the end of the year. So I will say this. We criticized Jason Garrett's play calling and how boring the Cowboys were. They went play action a ton more. I, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like I specifically mentioned this about the differences between them and Houston and two receiver sets that Houston was going play action a ton. Dak had 12 completions off play action on Sunday night, which is his most in a game in like two years. Another stat I saw too, by the way, guys, and I don't know if you think this seems insane. Did you guys know that Dak is eight and two against the NFC East in the last two years? How is that possible? Like Dallas is bad, but Dak is eight and two against the NFC East. In the, I'm sorry, in the last three years, he still has to play. Uh, I think he still has uh, like three or four more games this year. But like that's 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 crazy. How is he that good against the NFC East and that bad against everybody else? Is Jason Garrett just great at scheming against teams he sees every single year? Like. I mean, but but they they did some different stuff on offense, and Zeke was awesome. So like, I I mean, I don't know Dallas. Maybe maybe they're turning a corner a little bit. Like, I don't know if it's super sustainable. That they probably should have lost the game. The Eagles came out so flat. But like, Dallas goes to Atlanta this week. I think Atlanta's like a five point favorite right now. I'm certainly not betting Dallas as a road dog. But like, is it possible that this Dallas team and the offense that we saw on Sunday night is what we're going to see? 
more going forward. Because if that's the case, like, I think they're going to be a little bit, I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be harder to stop. I don't, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. I don't think they can catch the Redskins, given that the Skins right now have the tiebreak. But, I mean, that offense that we saw in the second half on Monday, or on Sunday, was, was pretty good. Dak, was, Dak looked very capable. He was making throws. Zeke looked amazing. Their O-line was dominating the Eagles D-line. So, like, maybe this Dallas team, like, maybe we wrote off Jason Garrett quickly and, and now they're doing some different stuff and they're going to be harder to beat. I, I just, Bart, I mean, your thoughts on the Cowboys moving forward, not a threat to you? Or do you think that there was enough stuff that were, you know, people who are Cowboys fans can be more optimistic moving forward? I mean, defensively, they're very good. They lost Charlie again two weeks ago, but their young linebackers are stepping up and playing well. Zeke can run like that, they're obviously going to matter. Yeah, I mean, that, like I said, I, they, they probably should have lost. Their, the Eagles just in the first half were terrible. I, I had someone tell me that the stadium was like the second loudest they'd ever heard it at the start of a game. Like, Eagles fans were ready. Like, they thought, like, all right, we're going to win here, and then we're going to be a game back of the skins. Like, we get to play them twice. And then for them to come out and score three points in the first half smalls, that had to be one of the most disappointing halves of Eagles football in the last couple of years. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, Monday, what was it, Sunday night game? Sunday night game. You know, people, people drinking since 10 a.m. They were probably juiced in the beginning, and then a bunch of fights happened, and also a bunch of people passed out. So that's what I, I attribute to the stadium getting a little quieter. But in all seriousness, uh, yeah, the Eagles laid an egg like that. And that's what I'm talking about with, with the offense. Like, you have to come out in that game at home and dominate offensively. You have to score two – you have to have two scores at least. Um, but I, I, I really expected them to come out and be up like 17-3 going into halftime or 17-7 or something like that. And really, because the fans would have stayed engaged, stayed in the game, and the team would have been rolling, you would have really put them on their heels where Dak has to throw the ball every time uh, in the second half. They didn't do that. They didn't come out and do that. They didn't make the plays they needed to. I thought the Gruger Hill – um, dropped interception. Now, granted, Gruger Hill does not have good hands, so I'm not saying like like that's the worst drop in the world. But if he makes that pick six on the sideline when Dallas is backed up at their own goal line, I believe that change that completely changes the game. But that happens both sides. That happens to the Eagles too. Like Carson Wentz gets a lot of interceptable balls that are dropped. Um, yeah, I, it's a, it's honestly it's a disappointment. I just expected a lot more from the offense. I thought the defense, the secondary is now. Yeah, it's decimated. Defeated. Yeah, it's decimated. And G- Jim Schwartz, I mean, like you, you gotta, you gotta get some pressure in the second half, and you gotta stop Zeke Elliott. That's the one guy you gotta really take out of the game. I know it's difficult to say, but you can't let Zeke Elliott go off like he did. You gotta really key on that guy and make that Prescott beat you. You gotta do. And, it. and to be fair, in certain situations, it did. They did make Dak make throws, and he, and he made throws. He, he had a couple big third down conversions. Like Dak was good, and it's. You know, nobody's saying uh, nobody's out here saying that Dak is better than Carson Wentz or anything like that. Uh, Eagles fans love that debate over and over again. But like Dak was good. I mean, he played really well in the second half. He was god awful in the first half. But who knows? I, I think it's interesting. Uh, one thing, Smalls. Before we get into the picks, it's amazing how much worse the Eagles are when Lane Johnson doesn't play. It's it's incredible how bad they are when he just specifically him. Like their record without Lane Johnson the last three years is, I mean. It's pretty funny, man. Like, they're really bad without him. Peter's also – the guy's a Hall of Famer, but, like, we're watching – He's 
He's at the end. Yeah, of the we're we're watching the old Yeller treatment where like you might take Jason Peters out back and shoot him because he's just not the same guy. And I think that's part of it. Like you win a Super Bowl and everything goes right, your team is so mentally locked in, like you're just clicking on on every level, and it's. It's one of the reasons I think why the Patriots are so amazing. It's like it feels like they just they're the band just keeps moving, the caravan just keeps going every single year for them to win 10, 11, 12, 13 games. And it's really, really hard for teams to do that. And and I don't know how I don't know how they do it. it it's amazing, but the Eagles, it doesn't look like they have that same level of focus. But we will go into picks, as always, the reason you guys listen. Uh, real quick records last week, 4-0-1 for me, smallest three and two, Bart one, two and two. Probably should have been three and two. Uh, but we're we're here trying to go five and zero each week. Uh, I have hit my last on the show. I've hit my last twelve college picks. I've actually hit my last fifteen college picks. If we're talking about what I've actually bet, so this is probably the week to fade me. But we will start with Smalls. We will go Smalls. Uh, what's the what's the order? Smalls, then me, then Bart. We'll keep that going. So Smalls, you start us off. Yeah, I'll start us off. Um, I'm taking it to college, and I'm going now. I didn't do any college picks last week, but I'm going to do some this week. And this is pure and simple on the fact that Florida International is seven and two against the spread this year, and I've got to ride the hot hands. I believe in hot hands. Uh, if you know me, Buffalo, you know that that's that's my squad. So now I'm turning I'm turning it over to Florida International, and we're gonna take them. Favored by five and a half points, minus five and a half. I had to look at my notes here. They're playing Charlotte at Charlotte. Five and a half point favorite. Take Florida International. They're hot. They're going to be eight and two against the spread this year. After this game, let's go FIU. All right, good one. Small's probably seen zero minutes with those teams all year. But I'm going to go in the game that I'm the least confident in to start. Uh, probably the game that everybody's watching. I'm going to take Syracuse plus 10.5 in Yankee Stadium against Notre Dame. Uh, I loved this game before I found out Ian Book is coming back. I don't really have a ton of trends for this one. I just, you know, Notre Dame has looked just okay. Uh, this is obviously going to, this is going to, I guess Notre Dame in New York, it's going to be fine. It's going to be more of a home game for them. But I just feel like Syracuse is ready to to make some plays. Notre Dame has one of the best passing defenses in the country, but Syracuse can really score. I think 10.5 is too many points for a pretty good Syracuse team. They've played just about everybody tough. Like, I don't, I don't see Notre Dame blowing them out. Like I said, Ian Book is still a little bit banged up. With Wimbush, I would just, I would back the Brinks truck up to, uh, the Syracuse, uh, on that line. But I just think Syracuse plus 10.5, they're a little bit better. I, they could win outright, honestly, but. Feel like I'm just gonna go with Dino Babers to keep it close. Let's hope, let's hope they win outright. I mean, it, Somebody pointed out, and I honestly cannot remember. It might have been Clay Travis, but maybe not. It might have been Todd Furman. One, one of the two guys from, from Lock It In said that, like, we've only ever had one undefeated team going into the playoff each year. And, like, I, I, I it's possible Bama could lose. I don't envision Clemson losing. But it just feels like Notre Dame is the one that has been playing. They've been teetering on the edge of, like, losing or, you know, showing some signs of that they might not be as good as people think. And this is a really good Syracuse team, and this is their season. Like, they have BC next week, but... I mean, you can ruin Notre Dame's year. Like, this is huge for your program. It's in New York. Like, everyone in New York is a Syracuse alum. So, like, I just feel like Syracuse plus 10.5. I'm going to bet on feel, which means I'll lose this one. Bart? I'm not sure who's playing quarterback in the first game I'm picking. And you know what? It doesn't matter. 
if Anthony uh, Brown doesn't play, I really don't think it matters. My first game is Boston College minus one and a half in Florida State. Florida State's just a dumpster fire. I don't know why this line's so low. I really don't think it matters who the quarterback is. Boston College minus one and a half. I looked at that real quick before we go to Smalls. I looked at that game and I literally did the Philly pretzel where I was like, there's no way Boston College is only one point better than Florida State. Why is this line like this? I can't bet this Vegas. No, I I, I did the Smalls. I just put myself in a Philly pretzel looking at a line and didn't pick that <laughs> this game. This is the Vegas nose line where BC wins by one or just loses. I, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Florida State's awful. They stink. Like, they're so bad. Why, why is BC who's actually pretty and good? And defensively, BC's just going to kill them like i said that line is the one and and maybe it's so low because they don't know who's playing quarterback and it's not going to be uh i don't even know bc's quarterback's name you just said it but that line makes zero sense it is the that's anthony brown's the starter that's the weirdest line i saw all week go ahead smalls yeah washington state i got them them favored by nine and a half points against pac-12 rival arizona uh i'm taking washington state here i got my man leach is just I'm riding the hot squads in college football. Washington State 9-1 and one against the spread this year. For everyone out there that is terrible at math, that's 90%, baby. 9-1, and one, ride Washington State. Yeah, not, Washington State is the best Power 5 team against the spread this year. Uh, we're gonna just we're gonna dive right into it, guys. We're gonna get into our Big Twelve picks. Uh, we are just gonna blindly bet West Virginia, Oklahoma State over 72 and a half. This was 71 yesterday, so obviously the money's coming in on it. Uh, since week five, Oklahoma State's total 76-90, one game of 45 at Kansas State, but obviously Kansas State wants to run it, good defense on the road. 73-66 and 96, they are pissed off last week. They had a chance to win against Oklahoma, and they didn't. Uh, West Virginia against top 15 offenses this year. Their games have gone to 83 and 76. They still have Oklahoma next week, which we're going to bet up to 100. But we're just blindly betting Big 12 overs. West Virginia at Oklahoma State, over 72.5. I do... Honestly, like this line a little bit for Oklahoma State, too. I'm not going to take it, but it's now down to four and a half. So I would wait if you want to bet Oklahoma State because I bet it'll rise by game time. But, Bart? Next game, this team fired its head coach. They've lost seven games in a row with an average margin of defeat, just under 28 points. Every one of these losses was by at least 18 points, except against Florida State, where they only lost by four. Louisville just sucks. Give me NC State minus 16 and a half. I'm going to bet on that loser, Dave Doran. <laughs> you hate Dave Doran. And Ryan Finley. Just because he talks trash and then doesn't back it up. But I'm going to bet on them this week. The bottom of the ACC is really bad. Like, really bad. Like, the, some of the middle's okay. Like, Virginia's okay. Duke's okay. Pitt's actually not bad. They're going to get blasted by Clemson in the ACC title game. But, like... The bottom of the ACC, the like Florida State, Louisville, like they stink. They're so bad. Smalls. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go right to the NFL. Uh, where I make my bones. I got the Jaguars at home getting five and a half points against the Red Hot Steelers. Listen, the Jaguars have been playing the Steelers tough. Um, you know, the last year, I guess. <laughs> but the Steelers are hot. They're going down to Jacksonville. It's a one o'clock game. It's a little tougher to play down there. And I just feel like Jacksonville, they can they can do this. They can lose by less than five and a half points against the Steelers. A banged up James Conner, so the running game might not be there. And Ben Roethlisberger seems to just implode against the Jaguars, throw a lot of different interceptions. 
I got to take the Jaguars here. Home dog, baby. Yeah, that's a good line. Jags plus six. I like it. Did you guys see that the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, once Le'Veon Bell did not report, uh, raided his locker and guys were just taking things out of it and claiming it as their own? I mean, they were taking like T-shirts and like a CD or something ridiculous. They weren't nothing of value. And, and cleats. They were like, yeah, no, I mean like gear they were taking. No, it's not like they were like, ah, oh, this is Le'Veon Bell's Rolex. Let's take it. You know, he didn't. But they were taking like cleats. They were, there was somebody like was asking if people wanted a suit. So maybe the Steelers now that the Le'Veon Bell situation is done, they're all they're now they're just ready to play. I mean they're pretty good. Uh, all right, more Oklahoma or more Big Twelve action. Oklahoma and Kansas. I am not going to lay thirty eight points. I am going to take the over of sixty eight and a half. Uh, Oklahoma's gone over sixty eight in eight out of ten games. Army is the one of the games that they didn't go over. Uh, they are scoring fifty per game, and I think they're going to run it up on Kansas because they do know that just beating West Virginia is probably not going to be enough right now. They really need to. I, I think they need to look really impressive. Uh, their offense has been unbelievable. I think this is going to be like sixty-three to ten. They, they, they're scoring like fifty-five points a game. They should have scored more last week in Bedlam, but uh, they had a they had a third quarter that only had fourteen points in it. The problem is going to be, can Kansas score? Oklahoma has yet to stop anyone. They have not given up less than 21 in a game all year. So that means we really only need 48 from Oklahoma, and we are going to get that easily. So print money on another Big 12 over. Oklahoma, Kansas, over 68 and a half. Bart? All right. These teams have played four times in recent history. The results, 52-24, 49-28, 62-3, Sixty-two to fourteen. I don't know why this line is so small again. Ohio State goes into College Park and just beats the shit out of Maryland. Ohio State minus fourteen. As of as of this taping, that is the second most bet game of the week. Ohio State minus fourteen, and the the line has not moved at all, which I think is weird. But that line is they're going to beat the crap out of Maryland. I'm picking uh, the road dog in the NFL, a game I really like. I'm going to enjoy watching, but not really watch it because the Eagles are on. Uh, The Broncos versus the Chargers. I like the Broncos getting seven points at L.A. uh, You know, versus this is this is purely off the bye week. I think Denver's ready to prepare. And another theory along the Steelers theory, I don't think the Chargers are as good as their record indicates. And you love Philip Rivers. I lo- I know. I love Phil. I do. He's like he's my man. I love Philip Rivers, but I just I think this is a week where the Broncos keep the game close, if not win the game. And uh the Broncos are struggling right now. It's one of those like reversal of fortunes. I also see that Denver is five and two against the spread when they're at LA, the Chargers in their last seven. I love that line. That just tells me off the bye week, there's a lot of things going Small's way. I'm taking the Broncos, laying a big amount of units on this game. Anytime I hear the phrase reversal of fortune, I think to like the July 4th hot dog eating contest and like Joey Chestnut and Kobayashi. <laughs> I really like Small's NFL picks so far. I told you, I've told you guys all year, Denver, very overrated analytically or underrated analytically. The Chargers are actually third in DVOA overall, but Denver is seventh. Like this game is closer, I think, than people realize, and and the Chargers have not really beaten good teams yet this year. Like this, this is a good this is a good pick, honestly. Like this is small spotting trends and making things happen. 
<laughs> We're going to go back to the West Coast. I'm going to take Fresno State minus 12 and a half at home against San Diego State. Fresno super pissed off last week after blowing. I mean, they, they were up 14 nothing at Boise with an opportunity to really take control of the Mountain West, end up losing the game 17-14. I, I don't know how it happened, but San Diego State's actually very good. One of the better defenses in the country, but they don't really score. Fresno, I've talked about this before, 16th in offense, 5th in defense, one of the most underrated group of five teams out there. I, I think it's going to be 28-10. Fresno gets back on track at home. They're definitely pissed off. Uh, and one other number for you, Fresno's 24-5-1 against the spread in their last 30 games. And that was with a loss last week. So the team that's that's playing close, they're, they're, they're playing close to the spread and they're covering week in and week out. So I like Fresno at home in a statement against a San Diego State team that has trouble moving the ball. Or Texans are going to go into Washington and play a boring game under 42. I'm not sure how either offense is going to move the ball. This is two really, really good defenses. The Redskins aren't looking to take too many chances. I think the Texans probably get a win because Deshaun Watson will make more plays than Alex Smith. But I see this being 17-13, 17-10, 20-17, a really close, low-scoring game. Under 42. I like it. My final pick... I'm going to the Eagles game. Yes, I'm doing it, fellas. But don't worry. I do think the Eagles are going to battle in this game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people are indicating by the number going up from seven all the way up to nine. However, I'm taking the over of 56. Oh, don't do that. Bet the under. I'm taking the 56. I think it's going to be – listen, the Eagles can't control a football game because they can't run the ball. Um, they have difficulty. So for the people saying the Eagles are going to slow the game down, that is going to be impossible. Doug Peterson cannot help himself. He is a 900-pound sumo wrestler at a buffet line, and he's going to eat everything. He's going to throw the ball down the field. He's going to constantly do that. They're going to score a lot of points. But you know what's also awful? The Eagles' secondary. Their defense stinks. They can't get any pressure, especially in the second half when their D-line death goes down and they can't get rush on the passer. I also think Alvin Kamara, they're going to run the ball down the Eagles' throat. They're going to do it like Ezekiel Elliott last week, but also have a lot better quarterback and more weapons on the outside. I just see a lot of points coming this way. Eagles win the game 31-28. But Tyler, let me, let me jump in here. I also have this game. I also have the over. The Eagles are not winning this game. The Saints are going to do whatever the fuck they want to Philly, and Philly's going to chase points and put up some some on the scoreboard as well. This is going to fly the over the Eagles. I will do. I will do a side bet with you, and like on air right now, and we can we can have like some kind of thing the loser has to do. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Eagles get nine points. I just want the Saints to win outright. I want you loser Eagles to fall. To four and six. Luther has to sing the other team's fight song on next week's show. How about that? Uh, I have the Saints straight up. No, you have the Saints minus nine. I just want the Saints to win outright. I don't care about covering. All right, that's fine. No, all right. I want to ask you guys a question before I get my last pick. Do you guys know how many times this year the Eagles have scored 25 points or more? Uh, Probably twice. 
Nope, one time against the Giants on Thursday night. I don't think I need them to get to 25 to hit this over. I think the Saints are going to put up at least 35 points. I do think, I I will say this, I I, maybe I'm respecting the Eagles a little bit too much because we haven't seen them play particularly well. They have played closer games, I think, than people realize. Nine points seems like a lot. Like, the Saints are good, but this opened at seven and then immediately got bet up. So I, I think that, like, the Saints, I mean, they're really, really good. They've been blowing teams out. But it seems like this Eagles team, if they actually click, like nine seems like a ton of points. Now, I am not going to bet this game. I'm going to stay in college. And I'm going to uh, Utah State again. They are at Colorado State. Uh, 28 points is the spread. We are not laying 28 on the road. But we are taking the over of 68. Utah State's gone over at 68 in every game this year but one. That was obviously against Wyoming, who runs the ball 75% of the time. Last week, if they had kept Jordan Love in the game uh, against San Jose State, they would have scored 90. The guy had seven touchdowns with five minutes to go in the third quarter, and they pulled him. Colorado State's 119th in defense this year. They're giving up 40 a game. And one other thing that we love, they throw the ball 68% of the time. They're, the clock isn't going to stop a ton. There's going to be a ton of possessions and shorter drives. We're going to pencil Utah State in for 60-plus because they score every week. So we need six from Colorado State house this game if you can't get this at 68 just bet it as as high whatever the spread is on sunday whatever the over under is on saturday if you need it bet it this game's going way 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 over utah state best in the country hitting the number this year over in all but one game we're gonna keep rolling it until somebody stops utah state smalls your five picks yeah i'm gonna run it down and remember the college i'm completely going with against the spread totals this year. So be cautious. Florida International uh, favored five and a half points. Washington State minus nine and a half. Got the Jags getting five and a half. The Broncos getting seven. And the Eagles-Saints game over 56. All right, my five. Fresno minus 12 and a half against San Diego State. West Virginia-Oklahoma State over 72 and a half. Oklahoma-Kansas over 68. Utah-Colorado State over 68. Actually, Oklahoma-Kansas is over 68.5, excuse me. Utah-Colorado State, over 68. And then in the uh, marquee game of the day, Syracuse plus 10.5 versus Notre Dame. Probably going to even wait until closer to game time to see if I can maybe get another hook on that. But hopefully Notre Dame goes down. Bart? BC minus 1.5, NC State minus 16.5, Ohio State minus 14, the Texans and the Redskins under 42. Thank you, Alex Smith and the Saints and Eagles over 56. All right, that's it for us this week. Uh, like I said, we are super hot as a show. Eight, four, and three last week. What'd you say, Bart? Six winning weeks in a row we've had? I mean, that's... Six straight winning weeks. So if you're rolling your money over, you're about the richest person in the country. Uh, but other than that, we are finished. As always, koozie contest. If you send us five picks and they go 5-0, and oh, I will send you a free koozie. Just make sure you include your address. Same deal if you don't want to gamble because you are a loser. I will send you a koozie if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, screenshot it, and send it to me. We are at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, at Create Your Shot on Twitter, Create Your Shot on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Like I said in the Tuesday episode, looking for somebody to help us out with some uh, sound production and social media stuff as an intern. If you're interested in hanging out with me and Smalls and maybe Bart now on Fridays, uh, hit us up at createyourshot at gmail.com, and we will get something done in the next couple weeks. Smalls and I will be back next week, but I am also on the Underdog NBA show with Zandrick Ellison. A lot of stuff happened in the NBA. KD versus Draymond, Jimmy Butler, the Sixers, Markel Fultz can't shoot free throws. The 
content writes itself, but for this week, we are out of here, and I hope everyone picks winners, and thanks as always for listening.